Blog Talk Radio. It's the Gridiron Studs Show and a promo that's got the flow. Football knowledge from toe to toe with Amo, Calamino, and the other host. You already know Chad Wilson brings you the show. Dial us up. Give us a call. We're waiting here to talk some ball. 347-633-9365 is the number to call. So don't sit around. No time to stall. Giving you football from wall to wall. And now we give you our two hosts, Amo and Chad with your breakfast toast. Breakfast toast on the table, ready to be served. It's 10 a.m. Tuesday morning, September 6th. Already. You know, I thought we were in August about a day ago, but we are six days in to September. We've started the football season. Amon Calamino, after last night, I realized we were just going to have to listen to Florida State football fans for yet another week, another season. Oh, God, you should have seen them on Twitter last night, Amon. Oh, uh, well, they, they they looked like they were ready to do a, a little bit of a, a, a Florida State from a few years ago, but uh, they adjusted, and then they just put it on them. I mean, if you look at the way they outscored them, I think the the end of that game in the last, you know, quarter and a half or two and a half quarters, they outscored them 39-6, if my math is right. Something to that effect. I know at some point they ripped off 33 straight unanswered. Um, what You know what I enjoyed was – uh, watching the fans on Twitter from Florida State who didn't, you know, have a whole bunch to say in the first half, understandably so. Coming back in the second half when things um, really seemed to be under control for their team and saying, man, I was never worried. Bull crap. You had that Oregon game all in the back of your mind like this is going to be a runaway face smashing against us to start the season and we're going to have to hear it. I know I, I know well, that's what was going through their mind. You know, when you look at what they did at the end, the time of possession, you know, they had the ball for 42 minutes. I mean, um, you know, I think once they adjusted and they got their head screwed on straight, it's clear It's clear to me, you know, just looking at what happened over the last two and a half quarters, the better team won that game. Yeah, and, you know, I will say this, and um, um, being totally honest here, I was not uh, too secure about uh, Ole Miss victory in this game. Maybe when it got to 28-6, I said, all right, something really drastic would have to happen here. But I just wasn't feeling the flow of the game. I felt like they were relying a a whole bunch on that hurry-up offense. And at some point, they're going to have to slow the game down. And that would give Florida State a chance to get back in. I think I I just got the thought that the hurry-up is the only reason why they're gaining some traction here. And um, you know, and then the they hurry gave up. up and you and I, you and I talked about this, Chad, before you know you get off that hurry up. Let let me just jump in here. The hurry up. The problem that I think is evident to anybody paying attention with that offense is it can get you a twenty-eight-six lead and lose it just as quickly because if you don't make first downs, you're out of there in thirty seconds and your defense is right back on the field and it leads to Which what is you exactly saw. what happened. Right, right, and it leads to what you saw last night, Florida State running up 580 yards, you know, 42 minutes time of possession. Um, you know, I, I'm sorry, I know teams love it, and it seems to be the w- the way a lot of these college teams especially are going. I'm just still not a fan. 
No, I Not mean, if you're going to use it, use it in spurts if it's something you're going to use. Um, but it can't be the crux of, of who you are and what you do because you're going to have nights like last night against a really, really good team. So I felt like the hurry-up was the only reason they were really getting things going. And one of two things was going to have to happen. They would have to slow the game down at some point. Um, by slow down, I mean stop doing hurry-up. Or Florida State was going to figure things out. And it seemed like both of those things happened. And then for the life of me, I could not figure out why Ole Miss – here was the bad combination. On offense, you're going hurry up. And then on defense, Emil, if you're watching it, let's see if we think alike. When you were watching Ole Miss on defense last night, what other college program was coming to your mind watching them on defense? Arizona State. Absolutely, man. Casino, lotto. You mean the casino it, defense where let's just send yes, seven guys? absolutely. <laughs> and it's such a bad combination. You're going fast offensively. And then, uh, you know, when you run into a little bit of trouble, as you will sometimes when you run in a hurry up, a couple of three and outs, then you got tired guys on defense that got to go blitz. I, I know this from coaching defense all these years. Tired guys that blitz tend to do silly stuff like run out of their rush lanes, which uh, they did over and over last night, allowing Francois to break contain and, and rush to his heart's desire. You blow coverages, which for the life of me, I can't figure out why Ole Miss would not cover this guy number four for Florida State. I think he's a pretty good player from watching film in a couple of games. Would not cover him at all out of the backfield. And so on a night where you stuffed Dalvin Cook as a runner, you couldn't stuff, you couldn't do anything with Dalvin Cook the receiver out of the back. Do you know what so. that Ole Miss and Arizona State, for that matter, those defenses remind me of? For anybody who's ever gone into a casino, and I know you have at some point, Chad, you watch somebody that's a complete degenerate, let's say, at a roulette table. Okay, so they, they put $20 on black. Slots, they, but, yeah, you could go roulette. Yeah, they, they put $20 on black, they win. Now, they're not happy with the 20. They're going to put all 40 on red. They win again. Before you know it, they've got 500 bucks and their eyes are like saucers. Now, you think they're going to put it in their pocket and go someplace else? Uh-uh. They're putting the whole 500 back on black because now they're going to turn it into 1,000. And before you know it, they, they're at zero, and then they're going into their pocket yeah, for more money. Yeah, I, I mean, I had, the, I had the picture of, you know, the poor sap sitting at a – at the at one of the slot machines, and when you pull the damn handle, if you know the three cherries show up, great, you got yourself a nice little payoff. But uh, anything other than that, um, you got you're sitting there holding nothing, and that's really what Ole Miss looked like. That when the blitzes hit, great. When the blitzes didn't hit, it was out, it was awesome for Florida State. But Amo, just the whole thought of having to listen to annoying Florida State fans on Twitter rant and rave about their team and all the memes. Oh, just enough to drive you to drink. You know, it just boils down to this, and I have to admit this. The most annoying fan bases each year are the, you know, are one of the ones that are having the most success. And right now, Florida State, um, pretty successful of late, even though I, I'm still maintained that's on the decline considering uh, they had a championship, then they got blown out by Oregon, then they lost to Houston, and it looks like they were – on their way to getting their face kicked in last night by Ole Miss. It'll be interesting to see what they've got going on. Uh, the rest Before we go team. heavy into the games, I have one rant about just, you know, college football started again. We were treated to a wonderful weekend of football. But, you know, on a subject that's been across football now for the last two or three years is player safety, right? I mean, we hear player safety, player safety, right? We come up with rules. Mm-hmm. We have targeting rules. You you go off on them every season. Guys get thrown out of games. Let me ask mm-hmm. you two things. Is there anything less safe 
than A, the college overtime rule, which allows for unlimited overtime until someone wins. So you can have seven overtimes, okay? I can't think mm-hmm. of anything less safe than that. I mean, at least in the NFL, if they play 15 minutes, the game's over. Now, we go from that to the second part of the college game, the way they time a college game. There's far more play stoppages. So the average college game has anywhere between 160 and 180 plays every week, basically. And the average pro game has 120. Now, how does that make sense? We have grown professional athletes playing roughly 33% less than a college kid in a game. Well, listen, Emil, both the NFL and college football are not as concerned about safety as anyone out there wants to think. What they're concerned about is how things look. So a safety coming across and knocking the piss out of a wide receiver, once in a game, um, overtly violent and looks bad to the tree huggers out there that are watching the game of football. Lost in the whole uh ins and outs of a football game are the linebacker and the running back meeting in the hole or on a pass rush some 20 to 30 times during a football game. That's more likely to lead to any of these brain conditions that they are attributing to football than a receiver getting blasted across the head once during a football game. However, to the laymen and the tree huggers out there, it looks so violent that they want to avoid protests by people to stop their little game. I'm 100% Can I take with it that you, can I take it you that means you agree with me? 100% I agree with you, but I am also here to point out that it's all about how things look and it's less about how things really are. An offensive lineman and a defensive lineman smashing their heads together for 60 snaps per game is a whole lot more harmful than that one tight end that gets greeted by an angry free safety during a football game, all right? Yeah, because you and I, just going through our normal lives, can get into an altercation with someone, God forbid, and get punched and get knocked out. Does that mean we're going to get CTE? No, all right? No. And so that tight end a wide receiver that gets that one or two blows during a season that might cause him a concussion is a whole lot less um, detrimental to his brain than what's going on in the trenches or near the line of scrimmage. But here we are. We've got silly rules, um, you know, like like the targeting rule that sent off the best player for Tennessee, by the way, in the Tennessee-Appalachian State game. I mean, midway of the fourth quarter, this kid was gone off of uh, a targeting well, rule. So it's just ridiculous. I, I mean, I don't want to get us off topic. I mean, it's just it's, it stuck out to me as I started watching when we'll talk about the game in the next segment, the Texas-Notre Dame game in the overtime. I'm sitting there saying to my wife, I said, well, you know, it just went off in my head. I'm like, these guys just played a game. The final score ended up 37 all in regulation. And this game could end up technically 70 to 64 for all we know. How is that safe? I mean, that's at least, like I said, in the pros, the game usually ends within 7 to 10 minutes of overtime. And even if it doesn't, it's one quarter. I'll tell you, one quarter of football is less in many cases than what these kids play when you get into these four and five overtime games. Yeah, um, listen, Emil, more football, uh, better ratings, better for the game of college football. They're all for that. Uh, And like I said, a violent collision across the middle like that for everyone to see because that's where, you know, everyone focuses on the ball, uh, so to speak. Not a good look for either the NFL or college football. So they're going to pretend to be 
uh, all over, you know, violence and having the safety in their game. It's just uh, very, very hypocritical. But we're not going to be able to get to all the games. And, listen, this was, by all means, Emil, a big success for college football this weekend, these big-time matchups and then even some of the side games. Uh, I did mention this on Twitter last night. The, the NFL's got their work cut out for them, trying to match what college football did this first weekend. Oh, yeah. Yeah, well, you know, I mean, you, you know, I've told you this over the years just talking as friends and I guess I would say probably I'm going to guess probably three quarters of our listeners might agree with what I'm going to say right now and how I'm going to phrase it. If you said to me, you can you you don't have a rooting interest in a game, you're allowed to watch one game this weekend. You can pick from the NFL or college. I'm going to pick the best college game I can find. Mm-hmm. However, and this might not make sense to you, so I might have to explain it. If you said, what do you like to follow more closely week in week out? I like to follow the pros, and the only reason is this. I feel every year at the end of a college season, even with their silly playoff that they've kind of invented to appease me, that they leave me unfulfilled. Like, I look at last year, and I, I specifically point to Stanford, one of the Power Five conference winners, clearly the second-best conference last year, mm-hmm. born in the playoffs. Why? Because a bunch of guys our age and older decided they shouldn't be in the playoff. At least in the pros, I know, you win your division – you go to the playoffs. If you have the two best records who didn't win a division, you go to the playoffs. And then we have playoffs, like real playoffs, like you get in them on the field. That's my only mm-hmm. beef. Until co- I want college to get that to the where all the Power Five teams are in if they win their, their conference, period. Yeah, um, that's probably a discussion better left for another time. But there's no denying what went down this weekend. People were glued to their television sets watching all of these games. Uh, the Texas Notre Dame game got a huge rating this weekend. I think a, a 7.0, which you know, in comparison, wow, to the second did it really kick off? 7.0. What was your highest. favorite game this weekend? Let me ask you. Which which game did you get to see? Because I know you traveled and your son played. Did you get yeah, to see I basically any game? Missed or... everything. Yeah, I basically missed everything that occurred on Saturday in terms of watching an entire football game. I caught bits and pieces because you know, as okay. you said, I traveled up to Gainesville. But I did watch I did watch Sunday night's game. I did watch Texas Notre Dame. That would be it for me because the only two games I got to yeah. watch um really in in its entirety. Well, three because you know I watched the Tennessee Appalachian State game on Thursday. Um but other than that, I only was able to watch the Sunday night game Texas Notre Dame and then last night's game in its entirety. Between those two, very close though. Two great games. I'd say that Texas Notre Dame game. And by the way, Emil uh, Notre Dame's cornerbacks being 11 and 12 yards off of a wide receiver as a DB and a DB coach just drove me absolutely nuts. I mean, I, oh, I wanted to. I mean, it was bad, television. wasn't it? Did you when you when you were sitting there, you had to be saying to yourself, "What did you think I slipped into the Notre Dame locker room and got in a uniform or something like that?" For God's sakes, I kept wanting to check the back of these cornerbacks, you know, jerseys. Is, is that Rudy? What would he playing these guys? <laughs> like is is Rudy playing corner tonight because he's eight, 18 yards off the ball? He needs binoculars to see the wide receiver. God, yes, I mean, do you ha- they were doing the Jameis Winston squint to see the receiver lined up in front of him. That's how far away they were. It's absolutely ridiculous. I felt like Texas didn't even take advantage of that as much as they should have. They did some. But even more, I just kept throwing the ball out there. This game didn't have to go into triple overtime. Absolutely ridiculous. You know, I put Notre Dame and the top four playoff teams uh, at the end of this year, and they've got they've got some work to do if I'm going to make good on that prediction. All well, right. 
I got to say this for Texas, and this is the thing, they were a young team still, and you can see that come about in that they took their, their foot off the pedal a little bit. When they were up 28-14, they were kind of going in again. They made some goofy mistakes. They ended up settling for a field goal at 31-14. And I kind of felt, and I, I don't know how to, to, to quantify this for anyone, that they got a little comfortable and they, they, they relaxed, and before they knew it, they were behind. And I, yeah, I sure. felt like they could have blown uh, Notre Dame out of the building. I really, I, I thought they had the momentum. Have. And you can expect that um, with a young football team, but kudos for them getting the win at the end. Well, listen, there was a lot of things that went on uh, through this in first weekend, this amazing first weekend of college football. But as you can imagine, there are some big knee-jerk reactions through the first week. People will sum up the entire 2016 football season based on what just happened this week. Eamon and I will come back to talk about what we think are the top five knee-jerk reactions to the college football weekend that we just had. We'll do that more when we get back on the Gridiron Stud Show right after this. You want the truth? Well, here it is. Speed kills. And in no other sport is that true than in football. Speed gets you to the end zone. Speed gets you to the ball carrier. Speed makes you a winner. Do you want championship-type speed? Do you want speed that kills? Then Complete Speed is what you need. Complete Speed is turning athletes into game breakers. With quick and easy methods that are easy to understand, Complete Speed can shave time off your 40-yard dash, make you quicker and more explosive. They have a clear progression, drills, and exercises, along with specific instructions. They also have proven sample workouts and programs for you, the individual, or for you, the coach. Speed is what you need, so hurry now and check out Complete Speed. Just go to gridironstuds.com forward slash complete speed. That's gridironstuds.com forward slash complete speed for more information right now. Are you a property owner or want to be one, but you don't have time for property management? Then get an MVP on your team. Who has time for the letting process, for arranging inventories and organizing pre-tenancy cleaning, dealing with deposit negotiation, and negotiating with service suppliers and maintenance. No one's got time for that. MVP does, though. Get this MVP on your team. You can rely on MVP Property Management to offer you an extreme amount of quality and professional services for your money. And because they know that everyone is different, they pride themselves in providing a professionalized service to each and every one of their clients. So how do you get this MVP on your team? It's simple. Pick up the phone and call right now. 844-696-8722. That's 844-MY-MVP-CC. Or send an email to info at mymvp.cc. Get this MVP on your team and start winning today. You're talking to the Rolex wearing... Diamond ring wearing, kids stealing, woo, wheeling, dealing, limousine riding, jet flying, son of a gun, and I'm having a hard time holding these alligators down. Woo!
Got to start that Monday off with that Ric Flair for you uh, high school football players and college football recruiting fans listening out there. The Gridiron Studs app is what you got to absolutely have on your phone right now. It's available for iPhone users. You can check on the latest recruits out there as they update their recruiting statuses, let you know what's going on with the recruiting, how they're doing week to week. We are in season, so you want to know how that recruit did in his game last Friday, check it out right now on the Gridiron Studs app. And uh, high school football players are a great way for you to keep your fans and college coaches updated, build a fan base, get a college coach following. There's something there for everyone and college coaches out there listening. Obviously, it's in your best interest to be able to go into our database and check out the latest and the greatest high school football players and how they're doing right now. So run, don't walk, over to the App Store, put in Gridiron Studs. You'll find the Gridiron Studs app. Download it right now. All right, Amo, college football uh, went down this weekend, one of the greatest opening weekends. They will talk about this one for years to come. But what you get every year is the games go down, and I don't care. I don't care the fact that the season is one sixteenth of a way through. People are going to sum up the entire college football season based on what happened this first week. So what you and I are going to do right now are throw out there the top five knee-jerk reactions uh, that we could get from fans, and some of the things maybe we have seen or actually heard said uh, after this first weekend of action. And just throw it out there. And for fans, if you uh, want to participate in this or you've got any kind of a reaction yourself to our reactions, knee-jerk reactions, you could reach us on the show today. The number to call, 347-633-9365. Again, 347-633-9365. If you can't make it to a phone to call us in, you can always follow us on Twitter, at Studs and send your responses right there. Amal, I'm going to let you go first. Um, or do you want to do this back and forth? You're your one, then mine, and back and forth. How do you want to do this? Yeah, I did them as headlines, so I'm going to go five through one. I'll go. I'll give my my you know my number five, and then all the way up to my number one power rated knee jerk reaction from this well, week. See, that's now, what I like about way, you, an accountant. Everything lined up perfectly. Sure. I I did no such thing as to rank them. And I just by got the way, them all some of these could prove to be true by the end of the year, but they're definitely a knee jerk when you consider we're one sixteenth of the way through the season. My sure. number five knee jerk reaction is just the headline big game bob question mark <laughs> i mean, oh, I mean okay. once again bob comes in with the number top you know number three four whatever he was top five team he plays houston uh listen no disrespect to houston i'm sorry oklahoma you're not supposed to lose and you're not supposed to get throttled like you did by houston so i just say big game bob you give uh, no respect to Houston. You and I obviously did not. We did not give any respect to I Houston. I said no, no disrespect to Houston. It's on paper Oklahoma. I don't know. Can you, you can't do respect. both of those things, though, Emil. I mean, listen to what you said. You can't can't lose to Houston. I mean, Houston beat Florida State last year. I think we lost. Hmm. Uh, yeah, I guess. I mean, they beat, they, beat, they beat Florida State. Can we give them any? You explain any that away with the way you explain how bowl games work. Let's talk about Houston. Who had to no, go down into the fourth quarter? Yeah, the, last year they played three games in their conference that they pulled out in the fourth quarter, and they play in the American Conference, I believe, right? I mean, you're playing Oklahoma. This is Oklahoma. We did our Blue Blood show where the AP called them one of the five greatest programs ever, as did ESPN. Oklahoma. They're not supposed to lose the opener as a number three team in the country to Houston. I love it. Number one Okla- knee-jerk reaction. The Oklahoma, while your voice breaks. Um, just really adds to it. 
Um, okay, <laughs> what else you got? <laughs> okay, number four, uh, Pac-12, overrated for 2016. I mean, if you go down what the Pac-12 did in their games uh, over the weekend, it, it really wasn't pretty. I mean, California, you know, they won by 20 against a very bad Hawaii team. They didn't even cover the point spread. Uh, then you get Utah 24 nothing over Southern Utah. You get Minnesota beating Oregon State. Uh, you, you've got what happened to USC, which we'll get to. Uh, you got UCLA losing to Texas A&M. Oregon needing to, you know, open up in the second half in a game that got real close with a 1AA Cal Davis program. A 1AA Eastern Washington goes to Washington State, a team that you happen to like a little bit this year, uh, mm-hmm. beats them outright. I mean, BYU goes to Arizona, beats them outright. <laughs> Well, that's not that big of a surprise now, you know. My point is, in totality, the conference didn't have a good week. So my question, Pac-12 overrated for 2016. That's all I'm asking you. Okay. Number three, Texas is back. Oh, yeah, book them in the top ten. That's a knee-jerk reaction. Uh-oh. They're back. Uh-oh. They're back. They got a quarterback. I mean, they did Charlie give up Strong got his guys there. Win, They're right? back. Uh, yeah, uh, I could see that coming down somewhere. Yeah, they're Especially back. Especially in that Lone Star State. So, number well, two, they got they're game, back to something though. Okay, they're back to they're back to something. That's a big win. Oh, well, you asked for knee jerks. I said some of these may end up being true by the end of the year. I'm not saying that any of them are necessarily false, but they are knee jerk reactions to one week of play. That's all I'm saying. I mean, I like what Texas did, and I think Charlie Strong. You know, I'm a, a big Charlie Strong fan. I have been for a long time. I think he's finally got some of his guys in place. He's got a quarterback now. Um, They could be dangerous because what Oklahoma showed me and what TCU showed me, the team that I picked to win that conference, is uh, Texas might be able to to sneak up on some people because TCU struggled 59-41 with another subdivision team. So So before you roll on to the next one, uh, you know, Oklahoma's in your top five knee jerks in a negative way. Um, Texas is in there. I don't want to say it's not in a negative or a positive way, kind of a neutral way. But after watching this yeah. first week, um, you know, and we're we're weeks away from this. Texas versus Oklahoma. Who, who do you like in that matchup? Here's knee why I'm going to say Texas. Here's why knee jerk. I'm going to say Texas. I I'm worried about Oklahoma being a demoralized bunch by the time they get into that game because they've already lost to Houston. And unless they bring a different team or a different attitude with them to that game against Ohio State, they might – my new favorite word, by the way, is one you came up with. They might get paddy-whacked. Okay, and if they get paddy-whacked they very by Ohio well, State – They very well might. They very well might. So, um, yeah, if they get paddy-whacked, as what you they say, need. by Ohio State, it could, it could be set it up for a game where, yeah, they may be fired up coming onto the field, but the preparation that they need to beat an arch rival like Texas – may not be there and uh you know so right now I'm going to go Texas. All right, true. Sliding sliding along to the next. What do you got? Uh number 2, USC sucks. <laughs> I knew USC would find its way in here somewhere. But go ahead. Well, how can I leave it's it off after it. Well, first of all, you know, we're going to find out if they suck in 2 weeks because Alabama's got a way of doing that to people, and that game got away from them. But that's a knee-jerk reaction to that result. I do want to call out some people who I'd love to someday have them somehow get back to them that I called them out. You know Phil Steele? 
he puts out those wonderful magazines. Oh yeah, and all about Phil yeah. Steele. No so much. Yeah, Phil Steele. No Phil so Steele called the USC offensive line. The, he rates. By the way, he comes up with lists in the off season of units in college football, quarterbacking mm-hmm. units. He called the USC offensive line the number one offensive line unit in the country. Now I don't know about you. You didn't get to see it probably as much as a game as I did. I saw more than mm-hmm. I should have. Mm-hmm. Um, if that's the number one offensive line unit, then Phil Steele's never watched offensive line play. Because as good as Alabama's defensive line is, if you have the number one offensive line unit in the country, you should hold them to a standstill. I'm not saying you should dominate Alabama, but your quarterback should have more than a second and a half. He should be able to put his foot down on a five-step drop without getting right. his head taken off. Um, true. Um, I, I would agree with you on that. I don't know how he comes up with that. You know, Phil Steele throws a lot of stuff out there, knowing full well that, you know, only a handful of us out there are going to actually sit there and research it. We're a lazy bunch, and we'll just take what Phil – he's been anointed. No, let me tell you how Phil Steele declared does this. A, a It's very expert. simple. He looks at the unit chat, and he goes back to his, his rankings that somebody gave him at Rivals when these kids came into college. And he looks and he goes, whoa. They got all four and five stars, and they've been there a couple of years. They must be good. He forgets that players get better, or they get worse, or they stay the same. And if they stay the same, they probably didn't they didn't get better, right? So that means they technically got worse. And he he puts you know that's how he does it. It's very simple. It's pretty it, much the absolute be, wrong way to go about doing that. I understand, but I mean I'm convinced of it because you could not come up. I watched that game, and what's evident to me as we touch on that game a little bit is. Where Alabama and Ohio State at this point in time are different than most of the teams in college football is along the offensive and defensive line. Their players at those two schools, when I watched them, look like NFL players. And, you know, Pete Carroll had that going on at USC. And when he passed the mantle to Nick and Urban when he went to the NFL, they took Mm -hmm. that up. USC's offensive and defensive linemen look nowhere near the way they looked during the Pete Carroll era. And you you know what, for people who don't believe me, go back and look at guys in the NFL who were recruited during that era. Guys like Tyron Smith for the Dallas Cowboys was recruited when Carroll was still there. Yeah, okay. yeah, no, to- totally understand. I think we're on number five of the knee jerks. Yes, number five is Alabama is great and they can't lose this year. And why would they lose? I mean, they just smashed a blue blood. 52 to but six. they have lost in previous years. Even when they've won championships, they have had losses along the way. Last year, I remember, didn't Mississippi beat them? Or am I misremembering this? The Mississippi they team did they beat, beat last them. night. Yeah, yeah. They, they did, but they did the reaction them. is Alabama cannot lose. They will never lose. They will win every game, and they will win it by 30 points. They can't lose. And you say no? Uh Anybody can lose on any given Saturday. I, a matter of fact, oh, I don't hit me with that. You know, some of these teams are going to run through their schedule. You know this. Why Alabama? Well, Alabama's. Let me give you an example of how even Vegas knows how this works. Alabama's playing a, a subdivision team or a smaller school this year. I want this week. I want to say it's Western Kentucky or somebody like that. It's a you know small. They're playing Western Kentucky. They're only a four touchdown favorite. Now they just beat USC by forty six points. Because they know how Alabama is going to play this week. Nick won't show anything against the Western Kentucky. He'll work on his running game. He'll run them over. It'll be boring if Western Kentucky doesn't turn the ball over. You may get a score like 35-3, 28-3. So what I'm saying is on any Saturday, 
Alabama can go out there and lay an egg. Now, do I think it's going to happen based on sat- this past Saturday? Hell no, because I don't know how you block their defensive line. <laughs> God. Yeah, um, they've got grown men there. And, by the way, the strength coach makes an oh-God amount of money. I want to say six or $700,000 a year. So they pay someone really well to have those guys looking like that. Well, I hear your top five, and I, I, I raise mine. Um, okay. Starting off Shoot. with your school. Um, USC will be horrible this season. Um, slow down, folks. When you have a school like USC lose 52-6 to six in a football game, you don't go that bad overnight. So I would say a game like this is more anomaly than uh, anything being of the norm. And when you look at the, the flow of the game, even looking at the stats, you could tell that this game kind of got away from them. You know, uh, Alabama's quarterbacks combined to go, what was that, uh, 12 of 18 passing. Um, mm-hmm. They didn't pile up offensive stats. There are just some goofy things started to happen, and momentum flowed, and it just ended up being that blowout. The pick six was kind the of a pick football six, game. and that it was the killer in the second quarter that made it 17-3 because I felt that you know the team themselves, you know USC understood, we're not scoring 20 points today. And I think once yeah, that momentum, as I said last night, yeah. Watching last night's game, momentum is a big thing um, that maybe oh, people don't pay as much attention to as they should. But mo- momentum is a big thing in a football game, especially in a college football game where you have a very, very uh, raucous and uh, bipartisan, or you know, very partisan crowd. Which you had it at a neutral, you know, site this year. But uh, there's just a whole lot of energy in a college football game, and once it flips over to the other side and the tide turns, pun intended. Um, things can get a little difficult for you, and I think it just got out of, and away from them. I didn't have USC scheduled to do big things this season, but if, for the layman out there watching it, they may say, oh, man, this team might struggle to be over 500. That would be the knee-jerk reaction. Listen, folks, USC will lick their wounds. They'll come back, and they'll be USC. They'll answer the bell. They're not going to go fold up like they are some perennial loser. USC will be back and be back. But I will say this, though. In two weeks at Stanford, if they lay an egg and say they lose 35-10, then it's time to be worried. But for now, I yeah, think you're you right. That's to, a knee yeah, You do have to take a look. You do have to take a look and see how they respond to this. That's going to be big. That's going to be key. But I fully expect USC to respond like a very proud program that just got their pants pulled down in a nationally televised game. Uh, going on to the next, um, kind of with you. The, well, the, This is my version of it. You said Pac-12. I'm saying SEC is going to suck this year. That's um, something that a lot of people want to be true because the SEC is the most hated uh, division in um, – it's the most hated conference in college Wait, football. Wait, but where are you uh, getting that from, buddy? Where are you getting that uh, from? from? Well, what? let's start from Thursday who? night. Tennessee needed uh, overtime to beat App State. Uh, West okay. Virginia handled Missouri. No one's expecting much out of Missouri this year, but they are an SEC team. Got handled by West Virginia. Um, South Alabama upset Mississippi State. That's not really a big surprise to me because Dak Prescott was, is, and continued to be everything for Mississippi State during his time there. He's no longer there. Um, then you had uh, the whole big thing that went down with Wisconsin and LSU. Number five LSU falling to an unranked football team. Arkansas. Um, winning by a point versus a lowly program like Louisiana Tech that people don't talk much about. Um, then you've got Southern Miss coming out of uh, nowhere and reversing a big halftime deficit versus Kentucky and winning there. So, um, And then last night you had Ole Miss 
um, giving up 33 straight points and looking very pedestrian for the second half of a football game. So all the SEC haters are out in full force, and they're ready to bury this program. They've been calling them overrated for quite some time, and this makes those people very, very giddy. Folks, the SEC is the SEC. You can cry about it. You can be mad about it. You can say all the things that you want to say. There's a reason why every April and May the NFL – which is the professional league of this football thing that we follow, comes to the SEC and finds their players, first and foremost, from this conference every year. They play great football. They'll be fine. Um, And so the knee-jerk reaction to the SEC going to suck can only, if you continue, have some people falling flat on their face when uh, this season really gets I I tend to agree with you because I think that the problem that as fans we have to remember, while the games count the first week, it's hard to get a gauge on a team as much after the first week as maybe give them three games. Because here's the thing. These guys don't get any uh, preseason games, so to speak, to work out the kinks. And while, like I said, the games count, to just say the SEC is going to be a weak conference because the first week was a little tough, eh, uh, let's let's wait till, till the first month of the season's over and see how these teams do as they as they work out the kinks. My guess is what you said. Um, you know they'll still be the SEC. Yeah, uh, no doubt about that. Uh, the SEC will be the SEC, and you know folks may get a little disappointed about that. Next knee jerk reaction. Louisville quarterback Lamar Jackson is going to break records this year. Well, he did break records in this first week. And there's no denying what he did in that game the other night. Um, They had an opportunity, um, and he went with it. Folks, the opponent was UNC Charlotte. Okay, UNC Charlotte, uh, after beating Presbyterian in September of last year, went on to get slapped in the face for the remaining weeks of their season. The next 10 weeks, they got slapped around. If you don't believe me, they lost to Middle Tennessee State 73-14. to 14. This is Middle Tennessee State, folks. Um, they lost another game at Kentucky 58-10. to 10. This is not um, any kind of a solid football program. Now, you do have in, in some of these first games um, in the season, you'll take on a team that is from a smaller class or smaller division, and they happen to be a good team in their smaller class or smaller division. That's not what you have here with UNC Charlotte. Bad football team. Um, I don't know which direction they're going in. I would get, I would venture to say after what, watching them against Louisville, not in the right direction. So slow down, people. <laughs> Lamar Jackson's a good quarterback, may even end up being a great quarterback. He certainly has the tools, but calm down. This is not how it's going to look every week. The real opponents yeah. are coming. So that's where I am with that. Next Nothing major. bugs me more, Chad, about college football rankings as the season goes along is when we start, when these guys who do the rankings, namely reporters and some coaches, but mainly the reporters, start ranking teams based on their record with no, with paying no attention to the schedule. In other words, team is 7-0, and they must be in the top 10. Well, who says? Depends who they played. Yeah. Um, calm down, people. All right, next knee-jerk yeah. reaction. Oklahoma won't win the Big 12. Uh, It's easy to sit here and look at how things went down in that first week and say to yourself, my God, they lost to Houston. Well, I'm going to say it again, as I was saying during one of your knee jerks. Uh, You know what? We may have underestimated 
Houston there a little bit because just the little bits and pieces I was able to see of that game, man, you know what? Houston has a good football team, and maybe there's a reason that they beat Florida State last year. Yes, I've said, I'm on record as saying Florida State couldn't really get themselves too jacked up for that game, given the kind of bowl games they played in previously. Yes, that's a part of the equation. But to complete that upset in a game like that, you got to have you got to be playing against you got to be a good team which is what Houston is and they're coming back again this year full of piss and vinegar and they're a good football team better than I thought I venture to say probably better than you thought so if you want to bury Oklahoma because they had this embarrassing loss against Houston I venture to say it's not that embarrassing yep you did mention they're going to go take on Ohio State doesn't look for good for Oklahoma there Although I think Oklahoma is better off going into that Ohio State game having taken this loss against Houston than having not. Uh, I don't know how much Ohio State learned about their team. Uh, you know, on Saturday, rolling up, what they roll? 150 points up on their opponent? And <laughs> yeah, they went there. nuts. So they may just lose the Ohio State game as well. But I think Oklahoma, after those two games, non-conference will be primed and ready for their conference schedule. So I still like Oklahoma. Let me branch you out before you get to number one. Find a loss for me now on Houston's schedule. Uncle Lamar, they're playing him next week. I can't. I'm I'm not going to lie. There's not a loss there. I don't know where they can lose a football game. They've got to trip up over themselves, which, you know, of course can happen. You can get too high of an opinion of yourself. But yeah, they very well could run the table and be a real flying ointment at the end of the year when it comes to picking four college football playoff teams. Uh that's something we have to look forward to. And my Probably final game may be at Navy, that. frankly. It may be at Navy and I don't really know what Navy has, but I'm just because I like the way they're coached, I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt and say they'll they'll be a competitive football yeah, tough team. Yeah, so to say, prepare for. Navy did win their game 52 to 16 and a funny little aside from that game. Um, is that Navy lost their quarterback during the game. Where'd they find the backup, Emil? He was sitting in the stands. They went and pulled the kid out of his street clothes, got him down into the locker room, put him in his rags, and got him out on the field. And even with that type situation, went on to win 52-16 over Fordham. <laughs> All right, that's your armed forces at work on Saturday. So a nice little tidbit there. My final yeah. is probably going to piss off the locals, but it is what it is. Uh, we're here to tell the truth. Miami's going to go undefeated this season. Uh, listen, I know how it is. You've been waiting a long time for Miami to go out and beat the piss out of a team they're supposed to beat. There should be, you know, when you take on a fam, you or an opponent like this, you don't want to have to sit around and ask, oh, what's going on? And that had been the case the last couple of years under Al Golden. You'd face an opponent like this and watch foolishness going on, uh, drives lasting longer than they need to, uh, points being scored. You didn't have any of that the other night. The Mark Richt era kicked off for Miami with a 70-3 to win over FAMU, and understandably so, you've been dying so much to see stuff like this that you can get a little drunk and giddy off of something like this. Folks, that was FAMU, all right? And like I did with UNC Charlotte, let me give you the skinny on this whole thing. Um, FAMU and winning have not been friends uh, of late. Last year, 1-10 football team. They took L's to Samford, 58-21. to They lost to Hampton, who was a just above 500 football team last year, 33 to nothing, and Tennessee State beat them 30 to 14. They lost at South Carolina State. Not South Carolina, South Carolina State, 36 to nothing. So the best thing going in FAMU is the band, which is why many people came there uh, in attendance um, with with the uh, from FAMU faithful. They did not want to see the game. They wanted to see the band, and rightfully so. So it's not a good football team 
but you do have to tip your hat to Miami. The, the best thing I got out of that game, Emil, was the rushing attack being back for Miami in a strong way. You know that'll help out the defense that may have some holes in it. Three running backs went over 100 yards rushing for Miami in that game. Good to see that, but temper your enthusiasm a little bit. Uh, after watching App State on Thursday night, that game at Appalachian State's not going to be quite the pushover that folks may want to think that it is. So let's calm down a little bit and relax before you go on the the U is back and we're going to be the 2001 University of Miami Hurricanes. Temper your enthusiasm. Tap the brakes. Go is that what you're saying to me? Yeah. Tap the brakes? Yeah, I don't want to see the people going off the deep end, Miami fans, on Twitter when there's the bumps in the road that are inevitable coming up this season. So that's our top five knee-jerk reactions um, to the action uh, after the first week of college football action. Uh, I'm sure there are a bunch out there. And, again, if you want to reach us on the show today, it's 347-633-9365, or you can reach us on Twitter at Gridiron Studs. It's NFL Talk Time. When we get back, Emil and I are going to share the top five things we're ready to see come this NFL Sunday. We'll do that and more when we get back on the Gridiron Studs show right after this. Oh, child, oh, child. But I'm piped up. See that boy right up. He piped up. See that girl right up. She piped up. Pipe it 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 up. Hey, hey, hey. Do you love fantasy sports? Do you love money? Do you love excitement? Well, get ready because you may have found your heaven. FanDuel has combined all of these great things into one amazing website. Turn your love for sports into money and excitement with one week and even one day fantasy leagues with a chance for enormous payoff. FanDuel pays out over $10 million in winnings weekly to its members. That's right, $10 million. One member has made over $600,000 playing in their league. Another customer entered a one day contest for $25 and get this, cashed out $25,000 that day. FanDuel even offers a 100% money-back guarantee. Sign up now and join a league. If you don't absolutely love it, they'll give you your money back. You can enter leagues for as little as $1. For a limited time, FanDuel is offering a 100% deposit match bonus to Gridiron Stud Show listeners. That's right, they'll match your initial deposit all the way up to $200. What more can you ask for? Just head over to FanDuel.com right now and enter the promo code GRIDIRONSTUDS when you sign up. But you better hurry. The match bonus is going to end soon. Just head over to FanDuel.com and enter the promo code GRIDIRONSTUDS. Do it now! Ten forty-six on the East Coast on a Tuesday. Just wrapped up some college football talk. Uh, I just did want to bring up uh, one other thing, Amal. I had one more other thing I wanted to throw out there. Sorry we couldn't get into all of the action this weekend because there were a lot of great things that went down. One of those being James Conner, the running back from Pittsburgh, returning from his battle with cancer. Good to see that. Uh, two rushing touchdowns against Villanova. But did you happen to notice what was going on at noon uh, on the noon game Saturday in the Big Ten? Um, a big game of Jim Harbaugh versus Urban Meyer Anything you can do, I can do better. And the big losers in uh, that deadly game of um, one-upmanship is uh, Bowling Green and Hawaii, who both 
took uh, a severe beat down. Michigan beats Hawaii 63-3. to Ohio State hangs 77 on Bowling Green. And it just looked like someone, both teams, the game started at noon, and uh, they were watching the scoreboard and uh, dialed up plays as they saw the other ones scoring. I don't know. You happen to notice that? But they got all? paid well for it, both Bowling Green and Hawaii. Did well, they not? you know, they got a monetary gift. Um, yes. I don't know how much you balance that off against what you will lose in recruiting um, when, you know, some of the guys you're recruiting look at the prospects of getting uh, beaten like this uh, as a member of your program. See, that's a part that's lost. Recruits would pay attention to that. Uh, and one would say, you know, someone going to Bowling Green or Hawaii doesn't have a whole bunch of options. That um, not necessarily true. Um you could, if you're a Bowling Green recruit, you may also have uh, Akron or Temple as one of your sure. choices. And when you look up and Ohio State beats your school that you're considering 77 to 10, it makes it very difficult for you to commit to that school. So, yeah, you're going to get some cash. I don't know uh, what you lose, though, um, intangibly when you get beat by 67 points. But Ohio State and Michigan were on a, on a mission to one-up each other. I thought that was a little bit Well, those two games are going to look like the entire Week 2 schedule on Friday when we talk about it. So, Yeah, listen, a huge, a huge letdown. We're going to be off of a sugar high come Week 2 at this college football. Uh, no, we're going to need the NFL it. on Sunday. Let me tell you something. Saturday's the day, folks. I'm telling you in advance. Saturday, if you need to cut your grass, uh, whatever you're doing, you need to go paint something, you know, paint the deck, do it on Saturday this week, not Sunday. Yeah, I I, I got to tell you, obviously I've got a Sunday plays college football, so I attend those games. But otherwise, man, some of these games I wouldn't watch unless, um, you know, if it wasn't for some of the kids that I've coached or trained along the way playing in them because – my God, they can be some snoozers. But, all right, college football in the rearview mirror for now. NFL kicks off this weekend, uh, and I, I'm going to say it again. They've got a tough act to follow to open up this weekend um, after what college football laid down uh, as these two um, industries go neck and neck, and we, the fans, are the big winners. But uh, I put together a top five, and you have as well the top five things we want to see this opening week of the NFL. And I'm going to just go in order in the way that I remembered and, and wrote them down. This one um, you would, you'd like, and I'm pretty sure it's on your list as well. Um, Dak Prescott taking the reins in Dallas. No Tony Romo. Uh, someone hit his back and broke everything back there, so he can't play right now. Um, so Dak Prescott is the guy. And Emil, you know, he looked outstanding this preseason. He was all a rave. Everyone talked about um, nice completion percentage, good, you know, nice, calm, poised, um, didn't turn the ball over, all the things you want to see out of a quarterback, and you really appreciate it when you thought he was going to be the backup. Here's the real deal. He was going against very vanilla defensive schemes. Um, up until that last game, he was probably facing a lot of guys on defense that didn't make the 53-man roster. So it's going to be a different deal for Prescott when he lines it up in his very first real NFL game um, this weekend, as the uh, Cowboys take on a division rival, no less, is that you know what could be harder than that? So that's on uh, my the list. The Giants are going to come after. Yeah, the Giants yeah, he are going to come after that. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, for sure. I, mean, I don't so think we'll anybody who's in it. Anybody who's an NFL fan is going to want to see that. You know, if you're just a fan, I mean, that's going to be interesting. Um, so it made my list. I. I yeah, will I say hardly I agree expect with... him, Damon. 
yeah, I hardly expect him to come out and look like he did in that preseason. It's going to be a little bit of a different um, feel for him as the Giants disguise coverages and blitzes and come after him and, and do certain things that are going to make life a little difficult for him. I do expect him to look better than the average highly drafted rookie quarterback because I do feel he's special, and I just want to I want to see this journey because I really feel like he's going to be the quarterback for the Cowboys going forward. I mean, Tony Romo, if he's smart, um, would really look to move to an advisory role. And if he can grab a couple more paychecks in the NFL, if money is what he's after, um, accept that role and really not force himself back in. Let, let, you know, contribute to Dak Prescott's ongoing success if you are a Cowboy a lover, if, and that I'm talking about Tony. Can Romo. I make a the couple points? Thing, though I don't think sure. they're going to ask him to to be a to be what many fantasy fans hope. I mean, here's what I think. I think that yes, he faced vanilla defenses, but he's also walking into a situation that's interesting as a rookie. He's going to have. I mean, there's pretty much no debate on they have the best offensive line in the game. He's got mm-hmm. a future Hall of Fame tight end to lean on. He's got one of the game's top five receivers, and he's got a stable of running backs that would make Barry Switzer jealous in 1975 when he was running the wishbone. Um, mm-hmm. I don't think they're going to sit there and say, Dak, throw it 35 times, and we want to score. You know, we want you to throw three touchdowns. I think they're going to say, you know, listen, we're going to run first, and, you know, we're going to put you in situations that take advantage of your ability to move the pocket and do different things to make him comfortable. I will say this about the guy. Mississippi State, you mentioned them in the last segment. They lost mm-hmm. this week to who they lose to? South Alabama? Yes. Okay. D- D- he Dak obviously Prescott meant something. Played, yes, he played four years at Mississippi State. They won ten games two years ago and nine games last year. This is Mississippi State, folks. He had them at number one in the country. He's. I think he's going to be a good player. We could both be wrong, but I think he's going to be a good player. Oh, no, I'm not saying he won't be. I'm just saying it won't look anything like the preseason. And if I'm the New York Giants, I've got Rogers Cromartie on one side. I've got the newly signed Janoris Jenkins on the other side. I've got a great defensive line. Dak Prescott would see nothing short of eight- and nine-man box when he lines up um, on on Sunday. He would would see everyone and their mother in that box and force him to throw outside and beat our – our very good corners if I'm the New York Giants. Uh, moving on to the next thing. Minnesota suffer, suffered a, a very horrible result in practice. Teddy Bridgewater dropping back, from what I understand, uh, almost lost his leg. Um, a horrific knee injury that really threw Minnesota's um, season on edge. How bad did it throw them off? They went drinking and in the middle of their alcohol-induced uh, outing, decided that they want to give up a first and fourth in 2017 for some guy named Sam Bradford, who uh, has missed games over a defensive lineman sneezing on him in the past. I, it, I don't understand it. Uh, it was a desperate move, but nevertheless, I want to see what the Minnesota Vikings look like without Teddy Bridgewater back there. How do they adjust to, um, I don't want to use the word tragedy because it is sports, but um, this very painstaking event that has happened to them this close to the season. They really haven't had much of a chance to prepare for uh, life without Teddy Bridgewater. Uh, I just, I'm very interested in seeing what Minnesota does and how they go about attacking their season. And do the rest of the team, do they rally around um, whoever is the quarterback and all pick their play up to try and make the most out of this season in which you and I uh, had them pick to win the North? Uh, the NFC can well, you know you know what was funny when we when we were uh, the, the Minnesota GM Spielman was saying as soon as Bridgewater got hurt 
we really like we really like Sean Hill, and you know everybody who had a brain wanted to call BS on that. Okay, it was oh. like bullshit. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but let me let you me. Better like you better like I got two. Qu- I got two quarterbacks for you, okay? First one has a career record of 25 wins and 37 losses as a starter. He's passed for 14,800 yards, thrown 78 touchdowns, 52 interceptions, has an 81 quarterback rating. For those of you who don't follow quarterback ratings, uh, last year there were 20 quarterbacks who had a rating of 90 and above and 7 over 100. We're in the era of it's easier to throw the ball, okay? The other quarterback is 37 and 35 as a starter. He's thrown for 15,000 yards, 86 touchdowns, 84 interceptions, and a 74 quarterback rating. So both guys are the definition of average. The first one, Sam Bradford. The Vikings just traded a first and fourth round pick for him. The second one is Mark Sanchez, who's the Cowboys' backup. They basically got for a bag of balls. Yeah, it's. It's amazing, man, and um, they're allowed to hang around and, and still have a chance in this league. It's something that just drives uh, people crazy about the NFL. Moving on on my list, you know, I'm. if you've been listening to the show for a while, you know I grew up a Los Angeles Rams fan, and, you know, I stopped being a Ram fan before they ended up out in St. Louis. But any chance of me coming back to the Rams um, – was, you know, kind of impossible with them being in St. Louis. Now they're back in Los Angeles. I'm not saying I'm ready to crawl back to being a Ram fan because the reasons why I don't root for specific – tie my entire emotional strength into an NFL football team is because of the way the the, uh, the rosters can get turned over. But nevertheless, um, it's a throwback to my childhood to see football back in Los Angeles and kudos – um, to the NFL for seizing that and having the Rams and the 49ers be the marquee game this weekend as they take on each other on Monday night football. Uh, one of the Monday night football games, the late one, albeit. I, th- I thought it'd be a good idea to try and have that game in Los Angeles, but not the case. It's going to be in San Francisco. Nevertheless, not not back to being a Ram fan, but I am interested in seeing what the Rams look like at their new address and how this season plays out for them. So looking forward to that Monday night football game for the Rams as they kick off their rebirth back into Los Angeles again. So looking forward to that. Yeah, number that'll four be cool. on my list. Yeah, number four on my list, Carson Wentz. Now, I was not too high on Carson Wentz and Jared Goff being uh, taken this high. Uh, in 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 the NFL draft this past year, I understand why it happened. Uh, the two teams at the top needed quarterback, and I guess you had to go and do it. But number one, number two pick overall, uh, I don't see these guys as that. Uh, they're not Brady, they're not Manning, they're not Breeze, they're not Rodgers, they're not they're not those guys, and they're being kind of thrown to the wolves. Well, Goff not it, because it came became obvious in training camp that he couldn't be that guy. But the Eagles are going to move forth with launching the Carson Wentz era, uh, and I'm interested in seeing that. Um, I do feel, Emil, that the fact that the Browns were the opponent this weekend played a heavy part in you know, go ahead and letting Wentz launch. What do you think on that? Uh, maybe. You know, I think the, the Eagles probably took a look at their surroundings, figured they could get back the first-round pick that they gave up to get Wentz last year in, in trading Bradford to the Vikings. Once that trade was made, um, I don't want to say – I don't think NFL teams – tank a season because you only got 16 games but I think they said let's let's let the young guy play and develop him because frankly you know Chase Daniels is is not the guy that's going to be the long-term answer here 
And, you know, I think they pulled the trigger on the Bradford you don't like trade. The chaser, I man. You don't like the chaser to lead the Eagles deep into the playoffs? Come on. Why are you hating on my No, and, I, you know, I, I give the Eagles credit for fleecing the Vikings, by the way. And, and what, this is on my list. I do want to see Wentz. You, we have two of the same. On your list of five, we have two of the same things. I had Dak, so I wouldn't I figured we'd have that, a couple have, things. Yeah, but I, I have went have because I'm interested because the leap that this guy's going to make is huge. I don't think people realize, you know, it's one thing, uh, you know, you could name the Joe Flacco's and the, and the Steve McNair's that have had success from this level and even Romo, but Romo came with no expectations. He was an undrafted free agent. And, sure. you know, even Flacco was taken in the middle of the draft. McNair was the last guy I remember being taken really high from one double A and he panned out. Most of these guys don't pan out. Um, the jump is huge, and to start him in week one, man, I'm interested to see what's going to happen, especially yeah, since he I don't hurt. Care. He didn't play a lot. Yeah, yeah, I don't care that it's the Browns. He's going to have a hard time uh, opening up uh, as a rookie in the NFL on on in game one, tough. I don't care who your opponent is. The final thing I suspect could be on your list. I'd be surprised if it isn't. Um, the New England Patriots without Thomas Brady. Um I've just got to see that go down. And they're not opening up against a slouch. They're on the road against the Arizona Cardinals without the man, the franchise, the guy. And uh, he'll be watching. I don't know if he'll have his badly cut thumb wrapped up watching the game. But nevertheless, um, he'll be there, but not behind center for the New England Patriots. And it's the Garoppolo mini era, as he's got to be the guy for the first four games. Want to see what the New England Patriots play like. Now, if they are the Patriots uh, that they've been, the rest of this team is going to play out of their mind in this game. Um, I'm sure they have uh, us against the NFL mentality. So it wouldn't surprise me to see them go nuts defensively, go nuts in the run game, and all the other areas pick up the slack because that's what dynasty-type, championship-type teams do. So um, I'm gonna, I want to see to what level they pick it up, uh, the rest of the team, and then how they can handle themselves without Tom Brady at, at a place against an Arizona Cardinals team that went to uh, the doorstep of the Super Bowl last year. So that's, a, that's my top five NFL things. Top you were right. I had that on my list, by the way. So we, three of the five, we have the same. No, no surprise Yeah, I'm interested there, in right? your thoughts on those. On um, which one? Uh, on the on the I'm, ones you have with me, Look, the whole top five, but the ones you share with me, I'd like to see what your take is on those. Well, I mean, first, Dak, I mean, I said what I was going to say. I mean, I think it's going to be very interesting. I, I haven't been this, – this may sound funny to people. I'm actually more excited about this opener than I would have been if Romo was playing. Does that make any sense? And I, I like Tony Oh, no, Romo. I, I definitely like... can understand that. Um, you know, Cowboys are on my short list of teams. I root for more than the others. And I'm excited to see the rookie in there. It's like a changing of the guard because I know you feel like me that uh, I'm not so sure Tony Romo is going to ever get back behind center for the Cowboys. Well, if he does, it'll be forced by – I mean, I honestly think if Stephen Jones was running the Cowboys, unless Dak goes out and surprises us and becomes just, you know, a complete abject disaster rookie quarterback, um, I don't see how if, if Romo misses eight weeks you justify putting him in. Because there's two scenarios. Let's say Dak goes out, plays like an average rookie, and they go three and five. Well, at that hmm. point, is Romo really going to lead you to a seven and one finish to make the, to win the division? Probably not. So you you might as well take your lumps and let him finish it. Conversely, Dak plays very well. The team rallies around him. They go six and two. Are you going to force Romo back into the lineup at that point? 
Well, listen, it's the Cowboys. It's Jerry Jones. So, yeah, that could happen, but I wouldn't. No, that's um, that's where I'm going. I think Jerry has a love fest with Romo. They have a, he has a, he has a man a bromance as we like to say. Um mm-hmm. I like Romo. I think Romo is this generation's Danny White. And for people who don't remember Danny White was a great quarterback. He fouled Roger Staubach. He broke all of Staubach's records, but you know what? He was just gr- very good. He wasn't great and he just couldn't get he wasn't to the next level Staubach. if he go he wasn't and I think Romo is not Troy Aikman. He followed Aikman, he broke all his records. He's a good guy by all accounts. He's a great quarterback or a very good quarterback, but he isn't Troy Aikman. He isn't Brett Favre. He's not those guys. And for me, if I'm Dallas, the rest of that offense is young. I mean their offensive line is all signed. They're twenty five years old, these guys. They're all pros. Des Bryant's twenty seven, Ezekiel Elliott's twenty two. I want a quarterback that can grow with that team and lead them to the next level, not a guy who's, you know, trying to cobble together one last season to get to the Super Bowl. Right. No, I, I agree with you on that. What, what's next on your list? Um, my my Patriots, you know, I'm with you. I'm not sure what to make of it. I'm very curious to see how they I, – I kind of have a feeling the rest of them will play out of their mind. Um, Arizona is going to be a tough test. We'll see. I don't know enough about the, you know this quarterback to make an educated guess at this point as to how he's going to play. I mean, well, I'm going to put Belichick you on the light. spot, and and now, mind you, I know we are doing picks uh, coming up on Friday on the Football Friday uh, version, which will include NFL picks. But if you had to pick right now today, I know you're high on Arizona for this season. New England's going in there without their quarterback, so to speak, but you know what the organization is about, and they have that bunker mentality, I'm pretty sure. I could tell just by some of the actions that they've taken during the, the off season. Um, uh, just as an aside, the whole Brady thumb cut thing not playing in a game, and then um, mysteriously the NFL shields missing off of his helmet. You can tell they feel a certain kind of way about what happened. And now they're going to come in full of piss and vinegar. What, if you had to pick today, what would you think would happen in that Arizona-New England game? I think it'll be a really good game. And I think at the end, like many NFL games do, the, you know, in this case, I think the home team will get a win by a field goal. I think, it'll come into, I think it'll come into the last five minutes of the fourth quarter. I don't expect New England to get blown out in this game. I just mm-hmm. don't. Yeah, I think, I don't. Game, I think they're, they become highly unpredictable in this first game without Brady. Uh, there, so that could create a problem for Arizona, and how quickly Arizona adjusts, I think, makes the difference between them winning or losing this game. But I tend to uh, agree with you there. Of course, um, through research, both of us can feel free to change our minds if we need to. Come, come the Football Friday edition yeah. where we make our picks. All right, what's next on the list? I don't, you know, I don't like the Eagles move throwing Wentz in there. I think they're putting a lot of pressure on the kid. Um, you know, I know you took him number two, and you're trying to justify everything you gave up to get him. But I think I think the trade of Bradford takes some of that pressure off you because you got one of the picks back that you gave away to get Wentz in that first round pick. Um, I would personally have played uh, Chase Daniel at least for three or four weeks. This kid hasn't played a lot in the preseason. He had the fractured rib. Uh, he, he played at a one, you know, a subdivision team. He was essentially a, a year and a half, two-year starter, um, not four years, and I just think that it's a it's a huge, uh, you know, huge jump in class. I mean, even if you could say it's the mistake by the lake that they're playing, but they're still a professional football team, and I expect them to be motivated because they're not going to want it. Nobody wants to have come out and you know get mopped up by the rookie, uh, you know, in this game. So 
Uh, true. I, I don't like it. True, true, true. All right. What's, what's uh, next? My well, next one that I'm interested in seeing is who the hell is the quarterback for the Denver Broncos? Oh, and what the, yeah. how are they going to look that closely, on Thursday night? That was, that was number six maybe on my list of five. I mean, you know, it says something to me, though. You know, I mean, Elway was crazy nuts complimenting and when he traded up to get Pax, Pax and Lynch from from, uh, from Memphis, right? Mm. It, 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 now, if any team I thought would, would throw the rookie in there, I thought it would be Denver because I, th- I thought that they figured, hey, we could play more conservative. We can turn these games into 17-10 games because, hell, we did that last year with Peyton Manning. And, and you know, Elway – was was so high on the rook, on on Lynch when he got him like all GMs are when they do their draft. But I really felt like he would be the guy that got thrown in early, and it doesn't look like it's going to be that, is, does it? Well, let me stop you there. Um, I have to really, really take my hat off to John Elway uh, and how he has handled this new position um, within the organization, general manager. I think he's doing an outstanding job, and perhaps I'm giving him too much credit here. But I think John Elway, uh, like most good uh, general managers and owners and organizations do, is take a long-term view of what they've got going on. I could throw this guy in there, and he could end up being a mental basket case And because, you know, we do live in this world of social media where people will, um, you know, really ride a guy into the ground. I know I've got something good here, and from all you know, all accounts, John Elway really does still like Paxton Lynch, even after drafting him and having him in there. That has remained the same. He's seen good things. But why throw this guy in there like that? Uh, let's put the Simeon guy in there. Let's build him up. Let's say all the right things in the media about it. Let him get a ride in there. Let Paxton Lynch watch. Um, John Elway played this position, and I like that the general manager – um, not only played the position, but was a big-time performer who both suffered the ultimate um, disappointment and the ultimate um, elation in this game. And I think he's handling the highly drafted quarterback in the right manner. We'll bring him along slowly. We've got a long-term view. Let's see what we could do with Simeon. We did have a very good football team last year. By the way, that won despite the quarterback throwing end-over-end ducks. So we'll see if we yeah, can still win true. like that. I think that's the plan. I really think that's the plan. And maybe some, you know, more foolish organizations just take the rookie and throw him in there and be like, hey, God bless, man. Get us out of this hole that we've been in for the last decade. So I think he's taking a long-term view. Just me. Just my thoughts. Yeah, I agree with you. I, I agree with you. Yeah. No, but I'm just curious. And the last, the last thing, and this is actually one that I'm, I'm more curious about, and it, it ties back to that Eagles game. Will the real RG3 please stand up? Are we going to yeah. see the guy that we thought he was going to be? Or is he just going to be the guy who disappointed us at the end in Washington? You know what's funny, Emil? Uh, I've watched some of the preseason with RG3, and there seems to be um, like a total battle going on in his head. I've watched him scramble in a couple of plays where he takes off, and you just see in the way he's running, he wants to be RG3 rookie or RG3 senior year at Baylor where I just go wily coyote I do whatever I want to do on this field and it's almost like he gets a message in his helmet as he crosses the line of scrimmage from someone saying no no RG3 that's not what we do here no. in this league and he goes from wild well, man he looks like a deer for the first four strides and he says oh crap you know what I'm supposed to slide here and he takes a slide I just wonder who's going to win out when the when the games actually mean something will it be I want to be this wild deer or I'm a now an NFL quarterback I want to see which one of those two win out 
and those type of decisions in a game that means something come the season. Yeah, I, I mean, I agree with you. I, th- I think, I think the smart thing is you got you know you use your legs in the NFL to make plays with your arm. The ball, as you like to say, travels faster than you can run, and everybody on yep. that field can usually run pretty well. So sure. you're best off Let's throw it to the guy that gets paid to, to run with it. Or if you're going to run, be as big as a guy like Cam Newton. So when the, you know when, when you run into a linebacker, you're bigger than him. It certainly helps to be 250 plus if you're going to want to like not run out of bounds and drop shoulders on people. When you're built like RG3, like a slot wide receiver, man, find the ground, man. No one is going to get mad at you. No one will question your manhood. Uh, they'll just say you're a really smart quarterback. So I'm really anxious to see if this guy is going to go out of bounds. Is he going to slide or is he going to think I'm Cam and find out that he's not? Yeah, well, you know, I, I think w- when I see a quarterback lower their shoulder, excluding Cam, I question their brains, not their manhood. Yeah, that's that's where I come from, and I don't really understand why those guys do that. But nevertheless, man, uh, it feels so good, Emil, to have football back, doesn't it? It just feels so right to have it going It on. does. I, I like to talk about the games, actually, as opposed to talking about some silly list that we have to go over for six months. Yeah, some list. Um, make someone great in the offseason that wasn't really that great or talk about someone's offseason activities. Great to have the actual games going on and put all that stuff to a back seat. Uh, makes it easier to do this show. And we'd like to thank all of you all for listening to our show today. Thank you for uh, being a consistent listener and making this a featured show on blogtalkradio.com. Emil and I are back on Friday to do the Football Friday edition. I will have my Thursday edition of the Gridiron Stud Show as we talk a little bit of college football, especially with the local schools in the state of Florida, talking about Florida, Florida State, and Miami, and uh, also talk a little bit high school football on Thursday. So stay tuned for that. But for Emil Calamino, I'm Chad Wilson. Thanks for listening to the Tuesday edition of the Gridiron Stud Show. Enjoy the rest of your day. To all you high school recruits out there, you want to get recruited by the colleges? Step up and visit GridironStuds.com today. We've got college coaches visiting. We've got people visiting. We've got fans visiting. If you want to be seen, get your video up there right now. It's easy. Create a profile. Takes two minutes. Stop playing games. Get off of Facebook. Take control of your future. GridironStuds.com is where you need to be today. Visit now. Set your profile up and let yourself be seen.